to another episode of Aging Unmasked, a podcast from Leading Age all about shining a light on taboos and aging. For your February-March episode, we're talking all about love and romance as we age. My first guest today is Anne Weisbrod, Assistant Director for Social Services at River Spring Health, featuring the Hebrew home at Riverdale. River Spring Health is a Leading Age member, and Anne is responsible for developing a resident dating program, G-Days. I spoke with Anne over the phone at her office. All right, Anne Weisbrod, thank you for being on Aging Unmasked. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you for having me. Great. So just to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm the Director of Social Services here at the Hebrew Home at Riverdale, part of River Spring Health. I've been here for over 30 years. And I run a department of uh, social workers who take care of both long-term residents and rehab patients as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the G-Day program at Hebrew Home and kind of how that came to be? Sure. So about five years ago, it really came to the attention of the social work staff that there were many residents here who were looking to meet other people. Um, you know, I, we're a very, very large facility, and we have different parts, you know, that sometimes it's hard for residents to get to, it's hard for them to walk to. They might meet other people in activities, but many of them are just really, you know, often not able to meet others, you know, by just getting off their own floors. So we wanted to set up a program where they would have the opportunity to meet others in ways that maybe they wouldn't have. So, you know, kind of a takeoff on the J-Date concept, we, we came up with the idea of G-Date, which in our mind stood for Grandma and Grandpa. And we, we asked a few people if it was something they thought would be interesting, and residents seemed to be into it. So we devised a questionnaire uh, basically asking very simple but, you know, very, um, you know, informative type questions. For example, what was their favorite activity? What did they, what are their hobbies? What do they like to do? How do they like to spend their time? Uh, are they interested in a man, a woman? Uh, are they interested in a long-term relationship or are they just interested in meeting somebody just, you know, uh, just to, you know, expand their friend circle? And we devised this questionnaire, and for those residents who were interested in participating, we gave them the questionnaire and we helped them fill it out. Uh, after they filled it out, what we did is we put them all together, both the, man, the, the male and the female questionnaires, and, and matched them up based on what their interests were. And we all sat together as a group because our social workers here are very, very involved with the residents. Uh, really get to know them very well. So it was helpful to have all the social workers sitting together who knew the residents and kind of say, this one might be nice with this one. They seem to have similar interests. They have similar expectations. And so we would make the match. We would then send them an invitation, and we would help them get ready for the date if they needed any help. And, and, you know, we really took it very seriously. We set up a space for them in our River Cafe, which is a little bit like a restaurant here, which overlooks the huts, and it's beautiful. And we had, had them go on a date, basically. Uh, gave them some refreshments, some coffee, some cake. And we left them to, to sit and talk to each other and, and get to know each other. And uh, it was very successful, and we were able to expand on it. That's great. And so um, let's say things go well. Do they 
do you find the residents kind of report back to you after the fact or do they kind of take it from there? A hundred percent they report back, um, <laughs> not because we force them to, but they're very usually very anxious to let us know if they had a good time, if they're interested in seeing that person again. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, we try then to let them facilitate the rest of that relationship on their own, but uh, if they need assistance or they want us to help them, you know, we're, we're happy to do it again. We're happy to help them in any way we can. But uh, yeah, they generally do like to let us know what they thought of the date. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. And then as far as meaningful connections that have come out of this, do you have any, you know, I don't need a, a number necessarily, but do you have an idea of, you know, has this enhanced social connections for your residents? Without a doubt. Um, you know, we've had many couples throughout the course of the time we've been doing this who have really become very, very good friends. I don't know that I would necessarily say there's any romantic relationship, but, you know, um, you know, the friendship and sometimes that's that's just as important, you know, that, that ability to be close to somebody, to share, to spend time with, to just have a confidant. Uh, we've had many couples that have really become very good friends and very, very close with each other. And, and, and quite honestly, I'm not sure that I, I would be even able to say whether or not there was a romantic connection because that would be between them. But right. certainly we've had many couples who have developed very close relationships. That's fantastic. And has anything, you know, from kind of your initial inception of this to watching it grow over the past five years, has anything surprised you about this program? Um, I think, and, and pleasantly surprised, is how how positive and how responsive people have been to wanting to be a part of it. Um, you know, when we started it, we thought, ah, oh, a few people will be interested and let's see what happens. But we've had such really positive and overwhelmingly excited uh, responses from our residents. And, you know, even the ones who've gone on a date where they may not have found a connection, had such a good time, they're willing to do it again if we found another match for them. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I don't know that I'd say I, I was so much surprised as I am, just very happy to know that the residents are really very excited about it. That's great. So kind of extrapolating that maybe one step further, does this kind of, um, you know, when you're talking to people outside of work, and I think that there's a lot of assumptions that, you know, maybe your spouse passes away or, you know, some people have an idea of older adults, um, you know, maybe having trouble making connections. Does this kind of arm you in those conversations or interactions you might have to say, you, you know, no, actually, everybody wants to be connected. It doesn't really have anything to do with your age or anything like that. You know, 100 percent, you know, just because people get older, it doesn't mean that their need for intimacy or wanting to have friendships or companionships, you know, ends just because they get older. It's, it's, that's all still part of who they are. And, um, you know, the ability to still meet people. And, you know, we've had many couples here, not necessarily through the G-Date program, but find each other and have romantic connections and, and become boyfriend-girlfriend because that, that doesn't go away just because you get older. And so this, this program is definitely something that, you know, helps our residents to, to have those connections. And that's a very important thing. And, and I just want to add that, you know, many of our families are really very responsive to this as well. They're very excited that their parent is meeting someone who's making them happy and, and giving them 
you know, a, a reason to to want to go out and do things because they have made those connections. So, you know, it's not just the residents. It's actually some of our families have given us a lot of positive feedback as well. You can learn more about Anne and River Spring Health at riverspringhealth.org. My next guests are Brian LeBlanc and Maureen Rulison. Brian was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at a relatively young age and is a former Leading Age Leadership Summit speaker. Maureen is an educator and an advocate. They also started dating several years ago. I had a wide-ranging conversation with the two of them about their relationship over the phone. We tend to be pretty serious on the show, but I have to let everyone know that neither Brian nor Maureen take themselves too seriously, and as such, it was a delight speaking with them. Here they are. Well, I was single for many, many years and was actually pretty happy being single. I owned my own business and I kept busy with my family and with my business and I serve elders and disabled individuals, so it was very fulfilling. But I did start to feel a loneliness and the just never found the right person that I wanted to make the effort to, to get to know and bring into my life. So until I met Brian. <laughs> and um, I was, um, I was single. Well, I, I've been married um, and I was single for, uh, I guess, two years, something like, yeah, about two years um, until um, I met Maureen and uh it's it it's one of those things where you just feel that that's the person you're supposed to be with and uh so it was a real no-brainer well how did you guys meet and begin dating charlie um i'm going to tell you my version of the story (laughs) okay keep in mind brian has alzheimer's when you hear his version okay (laughs) okay Um, I had moved up to Northwest Florida, right outside of Pensacola area. And as I mentioned before, I I serve elders and disabled individuals. So I traveled in the same circles as Brian up in that area. And I had met him the first time shortly after he received his diagnosis in 2014. We continued running into each other professionally And as hard as I tried to get him to notice me, he would talk to me. He would be pleasant, of course, professional. But I guess I just never really made an impression on him until we saw each other at the Pioneer Network Conference in Louisville last year. So I'm going to go on record before Brian answers this question and say we knew each other for many, many years. One of us doesn't remember that. (laughs) I met Maureen for the first time in 2014. (laughs) No, I'm lying. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, embarrassingly enough, I, I don't remember our first three meetings. Um, but it was that fourth meeting in, uh, in Louisville that we, we just kind of clicked. Um, there was, we, we were, we went to dinner that night 
and um, and I'm just going to tell the story. Um, I I was going to. But what was I reaching in my pocket for? He was going to try to impress me with his new business card oh, yes. that he had in his shirt pocket. Yeah. I was going to give her my, my, my business card. Instead, I handed her my room key. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it was, it, was, it, it was meant to be the business card. <laughs> but she... Tells everybody that I meant to give her the room key, um, that, but she didn't use it. She gave it back to me, and she says I am not that kind of girl. And um, so, actually, what I said was, <laughs> "Don't play that dementia card on me. I know you meant to give me the room key." <laughs> As you can see, um, and I'm I'm living a very difficult life now. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can hear it. Well, maybe that, that kind of dovetails a little bit nicely with my next question, which is what, what is it like to, you know, be in this relationship where Brian, you have Alzheimer's. I mean, certainly it happens to a lot of couples who are married for a long time when either one or both are afflicted by it. But, you know, given that kind of cards were on the table from the get go, um, and, you know, Maureen, you knew what you were getting into, at least somewhat. Um, you know, what is it like on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, keep in mind that I have had the privilege of knowing and, and serving many people who are walking a journey with dementia. And so nothing – well, they say that if you know one person with dementia, you know one person with dementia. But there are – commonalities and I think I could with a very real eye for the future know what possibly could be our future and I was absolutely knowing that the value of the present the wonderfulness of having a relationship now would be and make everything in the possible future worth it um, but, but the real truth of it is, Charlie, that from the first time I met Brian, it wasn't I met Brian with Alzheimer's. I met Brian, a man that I really, really respected and grew to like and then eventually love. When I think about Brian, when I interact with Brian, it's not Brian with Alzheimer's. I isn't the first person in my mind. It's Brian, the man that I love. Um, and we don't know that I won't end up being the one that requires a care partner. Right. We that's don't true. know what the future is. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I, I'm fourth generation of having Alzheimer's. So I saw my, uh, my grandfather, uh, well, my great grandmother, I didn't know, but she was the first. Uh, I saw my maternal grandfather and then my mother all pass away, uh, live with and then pass away with Alzheimer's and then my father with vascular dementia. So I saw it from that, from the outside looking in. And then all of a sudden I was diagnosed in 2014 
when I, you know, when, when Maureen and I were in the beginning stages of our relationship, I, you know, I, I asked her several times, you know, are you sure you want to do this? I said, because you never know what I'm, you know, who I'm going to be when I wake up in the morning or who I'm going to be when you come home in the afternoon. I could be uh, in a thick fog. I can be in a great mood or I could be somewhere in between. And she, and, and without, without batting an eye, you know, she said, I know. I understand that, and I still want to do this. And it takes a certain kind of person to jump in with both feet, knowing that there are so many things that could go wrong. But then, in the same on the same uh, level, there, what she just said that she doesn't know if you know, what, what her future is going to look like. So, you know, we could be growing old together and taking care of each other. And I, I look forward to that because what she has shown me that it's just, um, it's love. You know, you find that one person that you click with and uh, it's kind of uh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really great. Well, what would you guys say kind of along those same lines? What are the best and then hardest parts of your relationship? You want to go first? <laughs> well, we have literally last week and Monday moved Brian from one part of Florida to the other. Right. I remember in our pre-call, you guys were getting ready just before Thanksgiving. So we're now shacking up. (laughs) Very happy for um, you. (laughs) If you had interviewed us before the move, we would probably have answered this question very differently. (laughs) First, I have to say that if you look at the list of stressors in people's lives, in the time we've been together, between the two of us, we have faced like five of the top ten. Uh, Brian's son passed away. We've moved. There's been a huge change in my career. Um, I, I'm, I can't remember all of them. So we have faced a lot of stresses. But his Alzheimer's isn't what has caused our relation. the hardest part of our relationship. We both are a little bit anal retentive and strong (laughs) strong. (laughs) don't do well in disorder. And when you are merging two people who have lived on this planet for quite a while and for a number of years of that alone and into one house, it, I would say the worst part has been that I've been afraid to take Brian out of what's familiar to him and put him in a situation where everything is new, where I can't be next to him all the time because I work all day. Mm-hmm. And um, other than the fact that um, he has handled it better than I have, uh, I would say that's been the hardest part. Yeah. It's, um, it's the whole 
the whole getting used to things, um, uh, and it, it helps that I can look around um, in here and see some of my stuff, you know, that I had in, in my apartment back in Pensacola. Um, I see familiar things, and that helps me so very much. But like she said, you know, we, we, we share the same personality types that um, we, we don't like. Neither one of us likes disorder. Um, everything has its place. Um, now, if I have the place that I want something and she wants the place that she wants something, um, we compromise. We do it my way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was being nice. Um, <laughs> we wind up doing it Maureen's way. And, um, but you know, it's, we, we share, we share things. Um, uh, you know, we we're both in the kitchen at dinner time, uh, either making dinner together, um, or if she has, uh, work to do, then, you know, I'll do the cooking because I, I, I really love to cook. It's something that is still um, in in my um, in my long term memory, and so I, I love to do that for her. And you know, and she she has just brought a whole different. She's given me an entirely different outlook on on my life, and I I look at that as the most beautiful and loving gift that anybody can give to another. And, uh, you know, we make it work. Has it been smooth all the time? No, but we always came back together and worked it out and kissed and made up. Well, and you asked Charlie what the hardest part is. Yeah. The, part, the hardest part for me is that I know that I am not in Brian's long-term memory. I'm in his short-term memory. And although I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon, and maybe I'll have time enough to somehow make it into his long-term memory, but as I have been very honest with Brian from the very onset, the scariest thing every morning is waking up and seeing if he still recognizes me. But I do prepare myself and him for the fact that someday I he may not know who I am. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, have you guys had any of those moments as to yet, other than your courtship, which sounds, you know, uh, we've got differing accounts. But I mean, all joking aside, I mean, has that occurred at all yet? Or you just mean that is a possibility down the line? Um, other than when we're in public and he doesn't want to acknowledge that he knows me, no, um, <laughs> we haven't had that. There, there are there are mornings that I um, now I don't I don't remember basically what I what I do. I w- I will wake up in a fog, and basically, uh, it, it it's exactly. Exactly like it sounds. You, uh, if you're, you know, ever experienced driving in fog, you can't really see. You have to proceed very slowly, and and so forth. That's that's the way that 
um, the only way that I can describe it. Um, and uh, I just have to wait for it to lift before I can really make sense of, of, of everything. Um, I know that she's right there. She's right with me, um, right by my side. And I couldn't ask for more than that. But one of the things that she has come up with is that we're going to start a, um, a photo book. And we, you know, we take pictures of everywhere we go. So we're going to take those and we're going to take pictures from each of our childhoods and put them in a book. And so when I reach the, t- the point where I'm not remembering things of my own, the, the picture is going to, and, and she, what she told me about this, I said, well, what if I look at the, the picture and I don't remember, you know, where we were? And, you know, she said, you can look at the picture and you may not remember that, but you're going to remember the feelings that you were, that, that you felt when this picture was taken. And to me, that's, that's very important. Yeah. Then I do remember that part. Right. Right. We're also going to, one of the things in my life care planning that I do with my clients um, that I'm going to, or that I should say I suggest to my clients, but that Brian and I are definitely going to implement and we're going to do it soon is that I have seen with care partners, it's, it gets most difficult when you can't can no longer speak with the person that you love. And more importantly, you can't hear the person you love tell you that they love you. Yeah. And so we're going to, we're going to videotape each of us talking to the other one separately. And whether Brian actually knows who I am when he watches that or not, I think that'll give him reassurance. And I know it'll give me a strength when he can no longer tell me. You can learn more about Brian on LinkedIn, where he's at linkedin.com slash in slash the Brian LeBlanc. Maureen is president of her own business, Caregiver Support and Resources. Our final guest today is Deborah Royster, CEO at Seabury Resources for the Aging and a leading age board member here in Washington, D.C. Deborah had a great story to tell about her mother finding love later in life. Let's hear it. My name is Deborah Royster and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Seabury Resources for Aging. Seabury provides um, affordable housing, transportation, care management, and support to our local church congregations in the Washington region. We serve more than 15,000 older adults and family caregivers. And we have uh, been around since uh, 1924. So we just observed our 95th anniversary of service in the Washington region this this last year, actually. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so this episode is all about romance, love as we age. So I understand that you have a story for us about your mother, um, yeah. if you could share that with yes, us. Yes, I will. Well. Um, 
No, first of all, I, I'm so blessed that my mother, who's now 100 years old, is still with us, and um, she's just the, the light of our lives. I have uh, three brothers, uh, two of whom are still living, and uh, we're just so blessed to have her. Uh, my father passed um, many years ago when uh, my mom was about 62, and my dad was relatively young as well. They were married for many years. They were um, a, a loving couple, and they provided such a great um, home for my brothers and me and, uh, and a very happy family life. My mother was devastated when my dad passed, of course, as, we're, as we all were. Uh, and um, she uh, continued on you know, with her life, going to church and her various activities. And she actually uh, took care of a few uh, young children during the week. So she, she was babysitting. Um, and uh, maybe six or seven years after my dad died, my mom was out one day uh, with the, the little toddlers taking a walk, and the man who would later become my stepfather um, drove up the street. <laughs> and uh, he stopped. As it turns out, he uh, was a, a distant relative of my father's. Oh, wow. They had grown up uh together, all of them in the same uh, small town in Virginia. They So my mom knew him but hadn't seen him in many, many years. They became reacquainted and uh, within a year uh, they decided to marry. And wow. I believe at that time my mom was about uh, close to 70 and my stepfather was a few years older. She was even lucky enough to choose uh, for a partner who had the same last name. So <laughs> so my father was easy. Charles Royster, her and my stepfather is James Royster. So she she didn't even have to change her surname. That's yeah. right. Um but uh, they they had a wonderful marriage. He he passed several years later. Uh but they had a great marriage. He was a great stepfather and it was really really special for me to see my mother walk this journey and uh, make this transition and rebuild her life and move forward in a very positive way. And I was just so happy that she was able, she and my stepfather were able to find each other and bring so much joy to their lives and to ours. Yeah, that's pretty wild that he just drove by. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what he says. I kind of think maybe somebody had told him, you know, yeah, about yeah. mom. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's a great story. That's and an story. and for, from her perspective, she just happened to be out walking the little the little babies. And here he comes. <laughs> so it was it, it, they were um, it, they they had a very loving relationship, a great marriage. And it really I, I actually hosted their reception at my home. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, she, she's been a great role model for me in terms of how you build and sustain relationships and, and how to nurture love in our lives. Yeah. So what was that like for you and your brothers with, you know, a new step parent and kind of, you know, you all are adults at that time, too. It's not like you're teenagers right. having this change in your lives. Um, and it sounds like it was extremely positive and wonderful. But... But what was that like, you know, for for her at that time and for you guys at that time? Well, I think for us, um, well, first of all, my mother uh, has extraordinary judgment, has always had great judgment. So we trust, we trust her choices. Um, and uh, so I think we wanted to get to know him and we did. 
and um, my mother gave us her all. I mean, both of our, of our parents gave their all to us growing up. So there is no one who deserves joy more than she does. And uh, so I think we were all extremely happy for her. And once we were assured that you know, this was her choice and this was a really good guy, and he, he was, um, you know, we were all in and in, in our new blended family. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, well, so can you tell me about some of your other observations of Seabury residents and kind of navigating their own journeys with either having a partner who they've been lucky enough to stay with for a long time or any new romances that have occurred, you know, just by good luck and good timing and all that? Well, we, we serve uh, a, a wide variety of uh, customers whose uh, circumstances differ. Uh, some are single. There are some um, who are dating. There are some who are in very long-term relationships and, and in terms of a marriage or a dating relationship. And there's some uh, who are in more recent relationships. I was uh, very uh, happy to learn about a couple uh, that met at the Model City Senior Wellness Center, which is in Ward 5 of the District of Columbia. Um, this is a couple, both of them attended the center on a regular basis, didn't know each other. They met, and about a year ago on New Year's Day, they got married. So they wow. just celebrated their one-year anniversary. I think they're both in their mid-70s, and they're very Fantastic. happy, and we're very happy for them. <laughs> that, that's awesome. So and we talked about this a little mm -hmm. bit before the mm -hmm. interview, but there is kind of this perception out there, especially outside of those of us who work in aging services, that, you know, you're over 55, and, you know, especially if you're single, but even if you're married and then divorced or widowed mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. that you're kind of closed for business as far as... <laughs> romance and everything else is concerned so i mean i think you and i would agree that that's false but also how can yes. we kind of push against that culturally and where do you think our culture is going in that way to hopefully reverse mm -hmm. that uh, stigma well i think those some of those perceptions are just vestiges of a prior time um uh, we're all living longer um and uh, our lives are very productive and um, our need for love and affection and nurturing relationships doesn't uh, dissipate as we grow older. Uh, those needs continue. And so I think as we see a new generation of older adults moving into you know, this space, uh, particularly the baby boomers, what we know about the baby boomers is that they uh, dramatically change perceptions around every uh, stage of life. Yeah. Uh, and I have no doubt that that will once again happen as baby boomers move into their, their older adult years. And as we see more examples of that, and it's given more visibility, I, I think those, those perceptions will certainly begin to change. Because it, it is crucially important, especially as we get older, and um, sometimes we begin to lose friends and others, uh, loved ones. The, the need to have nurturing relationships is, is, is one that is, will continue and it grows even stronger. And um, we all need love. It doesn't matter how old we are, yeah. how young we are. 
that's what sustains us on an ongoing basis. I am moving into my senior years, my older adult years myself, and I feel very encouraged by, by what I see in terms of my peers as well as those who've gone, who are going before me. I have friends who, um, you know, in addition to the, the folks I just mentioned who just met, I have friends who are, are observing their 60th anniversary and another set of friends who are now uh, in their early 90s who've been married for 71 years. Wow. So, you know, I think what that says to me is the, the capacity for love and the opportunities for love in our life are really endless. Yeah. Um, and it, it could be uh, through uh, a romantic relationship, but it's also important to have loving friendships um, that sustain us. Those are equally important. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm just looking forward to continuing to, to build those sustaining relationships, friendships, and loving other loving relationships. You can learn more about Seabury Resources for the Aging at seaberryresources.org. That's all the time we have today on Aging Unmasked. Thank you to all of our guests for their time and great stories. This show is a production of Leading Age. Our music came from Shining Seconds, and you can find him and his music at soundcloud.com slash shiningseconds. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to subscribe to us and give us a rating, and our show will return in April. Thanks for listening.